It Doesn't End Here is intended for mature audiences and may be disturbing to some. Please use discretion while listening. Welcome back to It Does End Here podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and I have my lovely co-host, Kaylee, here with me. Hey, Kay. Hey. Can you believe that this is the last episode of the season? No, it went by so fast, and I can't believe we already have two full seasons out. That's, I don't know, it's crazy, but it's been so fun. Less than a year ago, we were Googling how to hook up podcast equipment. <laughs> exactly. I had no idea what we were doing. I was like, no. I was like, can you even have a podcast with someone in a different country? I think I was actually Googling, Googling that. <laughs> Is this even possible? Oh, my God. Now gosh. look at us. We're pros, even though we're still sitting in closets. <laughs> yeah, I'm still in this tiny, tiny, tiny closet with no lighting underneath all my clothes. So, yeah, it's really still not not the best. but Not glamorous yet. When I move back to America, I'm telling you now, I'm getting a studio of some sort. Yes, definitely. In this episode, we're going to hear how Laura is filing a restraining order and a victim protection order against Mason, and she's really taking the steps to protect herself. But as we're going to hear, and Kayla, you know this, as soon as you leave, it doesn't mean that the emotions and the trauma and everything goes along with it. I would say the number one piece of advice I would have for women is to give themselves grace because... I feel like, yeah, like you said, once you leave, it's like, that's not the final, that's not the final decision. That's just the first decision you have made. And if you've been through so much, it's not going to just be an overnight thing where just because you left means it's all over. So you got to give yourself grace and not like for me, it was really hard because I was like, how did I let myself do that? How was I in it that long? I'm finally seeing the light. Why couldn't I have seen this earlier? And so you just can't go back to the past and regret anything. You just have to say, this is what happened to me. And I have to give myself grace and I'm learning and I'm learning myself and I'm unlearning things and to just take it really day by day and not be so worried or caught up in what you just went through and why you went through it. But just from that day forward, you have to decide every single day you have to decide. That's not how it's going to be from this day forward, but you also have to not get ahead of yourself. And like I said, give yourself that grace to start from where you are. So, you know, if you've been traumatized, it's not like you're kind of starting at the bottom and you have to work your way back up. I mean, as you can testify to, it all works out. You know, you figure it out as you go. You cannot have the entire picture figured out at the moment that you leave. You just have to trust that you're making the right decision for yourself and put one foot in front of the other and do it. I still struggle with that. I'm still, I'm a very impatient person. So I'm like, I just want this all to be done. You know, I made the decision. I left. Like, why can't I just be over it? Why can't I just stop thinking about it? Why can't I just be fine and not cry myself to sleep every night? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's a real thing. You know, your emotions get really tied into that. And then you start to make that your identity. And so it's like unlearning a whole part of you that you let in and you programmed to those behaviors. And so you have to unlearn all those behaviors. I think the most important thing is learning how you got into that situation. Like that's by learning yourself and then learning about yourself post-traumatic situation too. Mm-hmm. 
On average, it takes women seven times to try to leave. So that's important to note because I feel like a lot of women also beat themselves up after trying to leave a couple times and then, you know, it doesn't go through and they kind of just like accept like, okay, well, I tried, it didn't happen. And this is just kind of my reality now. Mm -hmm. And all those women out there, I say it takes most women at least seven times. Mm -hmm. So keep going, keep trying. It might take you 10. There is no rule. There is no rule book here. Try as many times as you need to, to get yourself out and to make sure you are safe. I'm Rachel Metacroft, and this is It Doesn't End Here. Last episode, Laura filed a victim's protection order against Mason in the state of Kansas for the physical abuse that occurred on July 5th, 2021. That next week, I got a call from a officer who was going to serve him. He said, I'm about to serve Mason. I just want to verify the addresses really quick, make sure that he's still at these addresses, which by then I had no idea. I just knew those were the last addresses that he was going to. I don't know the amount of time it took him. I mean, it was less than 30 minutes. He called me again and said, okay, Mason has been served. He was not happy, but, you know, he understood why he was getting served and he and he accepted it. The following week, we ended up going to court. It was, it ended up being just me and my sister. So that time I had a lawyer. I knew he'd been served. And so I was like, well, I don't want to go in there without anybody. I was so nervous. We were sitting out in the lobby and I was like, If he shows up, I know he's been served, so he's going to show up. Or if he doesn't, then he gets a warrant sent, you know, for his arrest because he missed his court date. I told her I was getting so nervous. And so her and my sister and I, we went into the law library and just sat there. And she was like, I need to go over some notes. and I need to go over some things really quick. So I'm going to go make copies and then um, I'll be right back. She walks out, not even like seconds. I mean, we're talking like seconds here. He walks in. She turned around and followed him in. And she looked at me sitting there and he's in the walkway and she points at him and goes, "Is?" and she like mouthed to me, is this him? And I was like, I just kind of nodded my head. Like I was terrified. I was, I didn't know what was going to happen or what he was going to say. He walked around He mumbled something at me along the lines of he had something for me. um, And then he walked around by the books. She followed him and said, "Um, Mason, you're not allowed to be in here. You're not allowed to be around her. You need to leave immediately. You know, he kind of put up his hands like, okay, okay, you know, I'll leave. And he walked out and he looked so thin. He had lost a lot of weight. I don't know. He looked very thin. He looked very frail. He had like sunken in cheeks and like black circles under his eyes. So she went and escorted him into the courthouse where the defendants sit. And she came and got me and said, okay, he's inside the courtroom. Some person came and got her and said, hey, this guy Mason wants to talk to you. He was trying to tell her that he had pictures of me abusing him, 
and voicemails of me saying sorry. He, she was like, you know, let me see the pictures. Let me hear the voicemail. So he actually showed her and let her hear the voicemails. And it was the apology voicemails had nothing to do with any abuse or any, he had nothing against me on the voicemails is what she said. Then he showed her pictures of like where I had scratched him and that was the abuse that I did to him. She was, she came back to me and she said, do you remember scratching him? And I said, yeah, I do because he wouldn't get off of me. And she was like, oh, so self-defense. And I said, yes, I, I wouldn't just randomly come up to him and just start hitting him or scratching him, you know, and she was like, okay, so everything he has against you is null and voided because it was in self-defense. He came back and and asked to see her again. She had papers with her that if he wanted to settle outside of court, he could sign. So that's what she tried to get him to do. She was like, you know, we don't even have to go into court and relive all of this stuff and rehash everything. You could sign these papers and we could go about our business. He actually did. He signed outside of court. In Oklahoma, the max on the VPO is five years. He actually signed a continuous VPO. He signed the continuous one that never expires. So I have a VPO on him for the rest of my life. Um, As long as I'm living, the VPO will be against him. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, I I was shocked he signed that one. You know, and I'm sure he may or may not have understood what he was signing. I don't know. I'm sure she did her best to explain. And she realized that he wasn't educated and they talked for probably an hour. She told me that he changed his mind like six different times. He started trying to rehash all this stuff outside of court. And she was like, I'm not going to do this here. You can either do it inside there or not out here. You know, take your pick. So she came back and she said, okay, he's sitting in the court. You are free to go and I will file this for you. My sister and I like walked very fast. Uh, You could probably almost say we were running (laughs) as fast as, you know, a slow run. (laughs) And Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. Um, We did not want to see him. Big victory. I mean, you got a restraining order against him for life. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes. It was very, yes. I was shocked and happy. I told my sister on the drive home, I said, I give it about a week and he contacts me. Three days later, he contacted me telling me he missed me and he loves me and he really wants to see me. I was like, what's going on? You know, and my lawyer told me to not block his number because anything he texts me or calls me or emails me, she can use against him as a violation of a VPO. And I was like, I really don't want him contacting me. Like, I don't want to see what he has to say. At this point, I was like, you know, I feel I'm weak towards him. Like, I feel like if he contacts me and says he wants to see me, I'm going to be like, okay. (laughs) But I put a lot of people around me after that, making sure that I did not go back and see him. And they checked up on me and held me accountable. And (laughs) they were like my accountability partners. (laughs) They talked to me like almost all day, every day, making sure that I wasn't talking to him or that I, you know, if he texted me, make sure I didn't text back. And so it was kind of nice to have that. What was your reasoning for still like 
having that feeling of wanting to talk to him. Like after everything that had happened and even after going to court and everything, you still had the pull to like want to reach out and talk to him? Not that I wanted to reach out and talk to him, but I, I mean, I missed him. I did. I guess a part of me missed him because I knew he had the potential to be such a good man. And I know he wants to be a good man, but his emotions and his anger get the best of him. At this point, I felt like he was like a drug to me. Like I felt like I was quitting like a heavy drug cold turkey. (laughs) And I've never done Mm -hmm. drugs before, so I don't know what that is, but I've seen intervention. It was, it was bad. I knew he had the potential to be a great man. He wanted to be it and I wanted to help him get there. I want not fix him. I didn't want to fix him. I just wanted to help him. I wanted him to succeed. He had been through so much in his life that I wanted him to succeed over keeping Mm -hmm. myself safe almost. It was kind of how it felt. I just couldn't get past seeing him in a bad light. I didn't, I didn't want to see him that way. I didn't want to see him as this abusive monster. I didn't want to see him as a, a person who was physically beating me almost on a daily basis in the beginning, you know, and then when I stopped seeing him and then it started up again, then I was like, it's never going to change. And that's when I knew I had to file the VPO. I knew it was never going to change. I knew he was never going to not hit me if he got angry or it's almost like I had to walk around on eggshells around him. I had to be careful. He contacted me over the weekend. I filed a second police report. That one was an email that he sent me. It was in code. In prison, I guess they talk in code. They'd use numbers to talk instead of letters (laughs) so that they can hide stuff. And the email said, I miss you. Want to fuck. That was the entire email. Excuse me? Yes. What the fuck is what I have to say that? (laughs) That was the entire email. I know. Wow. That is literally what you think of me. Like I became an object to him versus someone who he actually loved. You know, that was a really hard reality check to me. And when I made the report on that one, I, you know, I had to tell the officer what it said and he had the same response as you like, wait, what? What did that say? Laura reported Mason for contacting her and violating the protection order. According to the VPO, if Mason were to contact Laura, he would face one year in jail and a $1,500 fine. Laura had expected Mason to go back to jail any time now, but two weeks passed and nothing happened. She was starting to worry, so she called the police to check on the status of her reports, and when she did, she found out that the police had closed her case. That, like, took me aback. I was like, closed? What do you mean closed? And they said, well, um, Lieutenant decided to close them and not file a case against him. Then they said that my police reports were not threatening enough. So that's why they closed my case and didn't arrest him. I told her, I said, I don't understand how they're not threatening enough. I have a continuous VPO against him. My VPO says, plain as day, one violation And one report can put him a year in jail and a a fine. I said, and now he's contacted me twice. I have two reports. And she's like, well, the stuff he was saying to you, I read in the reports, is not threatening enough to go arrest him. You've got to be kidding me. 
So what is the point of even having a VPO if he can still contact you and they're not going to do anything? Exactly. That's, I mean, I told her, I, I got mad and I told her, I said, you know, if if that's how you're going to treat my VPO, then you need to change the wording on the VPO. And she said, well, we're not going to change the wording. And I said, well, you're telling me that him contacting me is not threatening enough, regardless of what he said. And I said, okay, well, what would constitute him getting arrested and what would be a case that could be open? And she said, well, one to two times threatening or two or three or more times non-threatening reports for us to look at your case and keep it open. I understand that some people will file and they don't mean it or they don't, you know, then they go and immediately cancel it because they're like, oh, I was just angry. I said, I understand that. But I said, this is not the case with me. Like he's physically beating me. He won't stay away from me. And now you're telling me him contacting me is not threatening enough. I said, so you want him to be standing in front of me and you want me to call you and tell him, hold on, don't beat me yet. I have to call the police before you'll actually do anything. And she was like, well, that's not what I'm saying. I said, well, you're telling me one to two times threatening. So I have to make one or two threatening reports, police reports that have to be filed through you. And then you go through them. I said, I could be dead by then. I got mad. And I said, you know, maybe the next case that you'll be, you know, reading about is my homicide case and that'll be on you. And I, and I hung up on her. I was so pissed. And to this day, nothing ever happened to him. So my VPO doesn't say it has to be in a threatening manner. My VPO says one contact, one report, one year in jail and a fine. And then if he contacts me a second time, it's five years in jail and like a $5,000 fine. And right there, I have two within a week of my court date with him and nothing, nothing ever happened. His mom had called me and told me he got fired from his job. He had torn up her house. Um, He got mad in a rage and tore her fence apart, um, kicked down the fence in some parts. In Kansas, a VPO is called a PFA, a protection from abuse is what it's called. And she actually ended up filing one on him. Wow. She filed one against her own son. Yes, she did. She told me that she filed one. And because of Kansas, when a PFA is filed, the person who is doing the abuse or um, destroying property in this case, gets arrested and they have to spend 18 hours in jail. They actually found him walking. The cops arrested him and took him to jail for 18 hours. He got out. His mom's boyfriend ended up filing stalking charges against him. After they filed the stalking charges and he got served with those papers, Mason actually called me. I didn't answer, and he texted me saying that he needed to talk to me ASAP. It was important. I responded back to him and said, please do not continue to contact me. You're not allowed to contact me. A day or two went by, and I didn't hear from him. Then at like 2.30 in the morning, September 20th, he called me, 
over and over and I didn't answer. He called me like 10 or 15 times between 2 and 2.30 in the morning. He texted me and told me that he's going to start walking. He needs a ride. He sent me like 50 something messages. A lot of them were like the emoji, SOS emoji. He was just sending it over and over and over and over. His mom called me the next morning and said that he left his grandpa's house at like three or four o'clock in the morning and he was um, walking towards Oklahoma. On September 21st, the Kansas Highway Patrol actually made contact with him and put him in the back of their cop car. He was walking down the Kansas Turnpike, which is illegal. So they actually drove him and dropped him off at the Brayman exit in Oklahoma, which is like the first exit from the border of Kansas and Oklahoma. The only thing is that when they transported him, he was completely naked. Okay, guys, I have the police report here. This police report is dated September 21st, 2021. At 6.14 in the morning, Kansas Highway Patrol and Turnpike Authority were notified that a male subject was dropped off on the Brayman exit on Interstate 35. The male had reportedly been walking the interstate for two days. When Kansas Highway Patrol made contact with him, he was wearing only a loincloth made out of grass. At 7.36 a.m., the Oklahoma Blackwell Police were notified that there was a naked man near I-35 in Brayman, holding a severed deer head. Oklahoma Highway Patrol were notified at this time. By 7.48 a.m., a convenience store clerk called Blackwell Police and reported that a man was inside the store making claims that he was going to harm his sister, who lived in Blackwell. At 7.53 a.m., Oklahoma Highway Patrol found the subject at mile marker 230. The man was naked and holding a patch of grass over his crotch. Mason, 32, was arrested and transported to Cade County Detention Center in Oklahoma. They did do a toxicology report. He did not have any drugs, alcohol, nothing in his system. He literally had like a psychotic break um, where he just went completely insane and did all of that stone-cold sober. It's very frightening that that was the man I was living with, in a relationship with, the man that I loved and wanted to help. You sacrificed everything for him. I mean, it's comical. I can't even do anything but laugh at that report. I just can't. It's yeah, insane is what it is. Where is he now? He's still in the detention. He's still in K County. He hasn't posted bond. No one's paid for his bond. He's got a $3,000 bond. So it'd be 300 to get him out and no one, not one person's paid it. So he's been in K County since the 21st of September. He has a court date November 3rd. He's being charged with two misdemeanors. One for, it says public intox, but the toxicology report came back when he didn't have anything in him. And then the other one was outraging public decency. April, how has it been listening to the podcast and hearing all the details of abuse that Laura went through? It was very difficult. 
It's very upsetting because she still lies to me about those things. To protect you? I think it is to protect me, but she doesn't realize in the sense that it's also hurting me by putting a strain on our relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe now that she knows you've listened to this and we have done this podcast together, you know, maybe that will stop and maybe she will be more open. Yeah, you you literally have to pry information out of her and that's how she's always been. Yeah, but she's doing she did really well. I mean, towards the end of the podcast, she was different. Did you feel that way kind of listening to it? Yes, I feel like she was able to open up and be herself more mm-hmm. and tell more of what happened. There's always going to be details that people hide in podcasts, but at the same time, it's just what you're willing to share. And I'm glad she was able to open up enough to share her story about what actually happened. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Trauma is a catalyst. It provokes significant change in the lives of survivors, as well as in the lives of their caregivers. Join me, Carrie Rickert, on my podcast, Transformational Trauma and Healing, as our guests share their stories of trauma and the resources that have been beneficial to them. We will celebrate our guests' successes and learn from their struggles, adding tools to our trauma survival toolbox along the way. How is Laura doing now that she's been away from Mason for some time and she's started the healing process? I think she definitely has a tougher shell. She definitely is back to her bubbly personality. She always laughs and giggles, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's so cute. And she definitely is more aware of who she is and who she wants to be. I think she's focused more on that. What do you hope that people learn from hearing Laura's story and your side of the story as her best friend and sister? I hope that they are able to pick up on the signs as easily as I did. And I think it's just knowing the person who's going through it. Mm -hmm. I think if you are in a close relationship with somebody who is going through an abusive relationship, it's much more obvious to see the signs. I just hope that they are able to either question them or point out what's happening or try to just get the person in the abusive relationship to understand. Felicia, for you to be a third party witnessing the chaos, how do you think the relationship has changed Laura? I think at first it was really, really hard for her because even though he was doing all those horrible things to her, she missed him. Mm -hmm. That part was really hard for her. And I worried about her. You know, I told her, if you feel like texting him, text me or text somebody. Don't try to text him, especially after the restraining order, because then you're the one, you know, breaking that. Mm -hmm. Initiating contact. Which she didn't, to my understanding, to my knowledge, she didn't. But I know it was really hard for her. Because she did miss some things about him, you know, and she hated to have to do that to him also. But at the same time, it got to the point where she finally realized, like, I might not make it out alive the next time. Have you been through any type of 
abusive, toxic relationship in your past? Not a physical abuse, but my last boyfriend, we were together for a long time, like eight years, but he cheated the whole time. And I knew, I knew that he was cheating. But again, it's kind of that situation where it's like, you know, they're doing something to you that they shouldn't be doing, but you love them and you care about them and you, you think, okay, this is the last time he said he wouldn't do it again, you know, and you trust that knowing, knowing that it's not, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we separated about four years ago and I still, I still love him, but I I know that I can never, ever trust him. Mm -hmm. Do you still have that pull though to like want to be with him and talk to him? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard because just because we know these people aren't good for us does not make the feelings go away. And it's hard to like stay in your, in your worth as they want to say. And like, no, I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to message them because it's below me, even though you want to. Exactly. And I know, I know now that I will never, ever be with him again, even though there was a lot of really good things about us that we had. And Mm -hmm. I miss that. I don't miss feeling like, where is he? Who's he with? What is he doing? That constant, like, wanting to look at his phone and see who he's been texting. That's just, you know, it's emotionally draining. What advice do you have for women who are currently going through a toxic relationship? I think just kind of knowing that you're not alone. You're not the only one that is going through something that or has been through something like that is it makes you feel a little bit better. Like you're Mm -hmm. not just this stupid girl who can't do life, you know, (laughs) the right way. I mean, it happens and they manipulate you and they make you feel safe and then they don't. And then Mm -hmm. you don't know what to do. They're already cheating or hitting you or, you know, calling you names or whatever it might be that they're into. And then you're already in there. You're already, you already care about them. You already love them. I know it's easier said than done, but don't let somebody treat you like that. You know, it takes time to realize your worth when they make you feel like you're worthless. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do. They make you feel like you're worthless, but you've got to understand that it's them. It's not you. It's them. It's part of their personality. It's part of their upbringing or whatever it may be. And you don't have to put up with that. You can find somebody else that will treat you right or be like me and just never date again. (laughs) (laughs) People are always like, when are you going to start dating? And I'm like, not anytime soon. It's been four years and I don't feel pressure by anybody. I don't feel like I'm bringing anybody into my kids' lives that's going to destroy them. Like, I'm I'm fine right now. (laughs) When the time comes, it will be the right time. Yes. Yes. So what do you think is going to happen when he finally gets out. Do you think he will get out one more time? I don't know. I honestly, I hope he doesn't. He needs to be in there. He's too institutionalized to be out in the real world. His court appointed lawyer hopefully will have like a mental test ran on him an evaluation and hopefully they'll put him in like a mental institution um, to get him help. What is your hope for women who have just heard your story? You know, if you had to give them advice or words of encouragement to leave an abusive situation, what would it be? My hope is that 
men will start treating us the way we're meant to be treated. Like we were made from a man and we came from underneath his arm and his ribs. That's where we're meant to be. We're meant to be loved. We're meant to be guarded and protected, not manipulated, thrown around, treated like complete dirt or trash. I hope that men realize the pain and suffering that a lot of women have and don't hold that against them if they've decided to be in a relationship with them later on in life. It's really all about understanding. If you're not willing to put in the work with a female who's had the past trauma, then don't go looking for a female. There's so many of us out there that have had these hardships and traumas and We've all been through a lot, even men. I mean, men have been in the same position. They've had a woman who's been the abuser. It's really all about understanding and everybody has a past. Everybody has been through something in their past, regardless of if it's abuse of any type, you know, mental, physical, emotional, could be trauma from their childhood. You know, everyone's got to be more understanding. No one is perfect. And I think when we try and get in a relationship or we try to fix people and we try to make them what we want out of them, and that's just not, we can't go around thinking we can change people. And my hope is that everyone just has more understanding, male or female. And if a female or male is being abused in this type of situation of domestic violence, leave. Don't hide it. Don't say it'll get better. It won't. That's what I said. It'll get better. This will stop happening. He loves me. He says he loves me, but his actions show differently. There's no amount of words that can match actions. If those actions aren't matching the words, there's no point in having that relationship. To be honest with people, you need to tell someone. You need help. You can never do it by yourself. I tried staying by myself. I tried keeping it to myself. It only got worse and it made me alienated from everybody. I felt like I couldn't go around people um, because they would see my hurt or my pain or they would ask me questions. And so I didn't want the questions. I didn't want, I didn't want that. And so I felt alone and my depression went higher and higher I just hope no one gets to the point where they were in my story. I hope that they can realize the, the red flags and I hope that they can get out sooner than, than I did. How do you feel about your love life going forward and your life from here on out? I'm actually very nervous to even be in another relationship after um, you know my, my failed marriage with adultery him having multiple affairs and then after immediately getting in a relationship after Peter with Mason and having the domestic violence and abuse, I am terrified, terrified to my wit's end to be in a relationship. I did try and start talking to somebody. He was very understanding. I told him what I had been through. Um, He was very understanding, very um passionate about protecting me and being there for me and keeping me safe from Mason. If Mason ever came around um, Mm -hmm. or just randomly showed up, I was always nervous. That's, you know, one thing he would do. He was persistent. Again, I love the persistence. Um, He's driven. He has a great car. car. He has his own car, his own place. He has his own life. 
it was a complete turnaround from Mason. She's and, beaming um, for everyone listening to this. She is smiling from ear to ear right now. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I struggle with is wanting to be in a relationship. So we're just dating every now and then. Yeah. I mean, practically 10 years of your life here have just been dedicated to bad relationships and just take this time, go slow. What do you hope this next year, 34, brings for you? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you the type of person who wants to learn more about bettering their mental health as a teen or parents of teens, but get easily distracted like me? My name is Philemon, and I'm the host of The Brief Dive. It's a podcast that provides brief tips from self-help advice to scenarios of change from a teen perspective. And yes, for those who do prefer the occasional deep philosophical dives, also like me, we've got those episodes for you, too. Nobody's left out. So what are you waiting for? Head to thebriefdive.buzzsprout.com and subscribe to join the Dive family. See you soon. Uh, I hope 34 is going to be a good year. I hope that I really find myself and love myself more. Um, I've always been hard on myself and my worst critic, as every probably female is. I hope that I put more, more into myself than I do anybody else. I'm working on myself all the time. If I'm going to stay in therapy, I really love my therapist. Um, she's great. You just keep staying strong, girlfriend. Yes. I'm glad you chose me to share my story. I'm so excited. So I can't wait for people to hear. And I hope it helps at least one person. If not, I would hope it helps everybody. I think you have the full spectrum of red flags. I hope so. Be like, okay, if it's any of these things, this is a huge red flag. Throughout all these episodes, I think it's very obvious to see that, you know, when Laura first got together with Mason, it's very bubbly and happy and joyful. And, you know, he had just gotten out of prison. So I think in anyone's situation, when they just get out of prison, you probably are on this high of like, okay, I'm free. I found a wonderful person who's helping me. And I think it just, I don't know, maybe the adrenaline and the the all the positive happening going on all the time um, was really good for him. But he really did have a serious mental issue. And you, we see this mental decline just get worse and worse and worse throughout this. Every episode. <laughs> yeah, throughout every episode. And I really think that, that the beginning of the relationship was just, the, like I said, the high that he was on and the, you know, the positive moments that can bring a lot of joy. But then the real world starts to set in and then all that's gone and now it's back to the real world and you're just working and nothing exciting is happening. And so I think that's when his real personality started to sh- to come through again. And like I said, that slow mental decline and it like, I, I mean, I, Laura really got out of there by the skin of her teeth, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have been way worse than it was. So that's just a sign and a reason for every woman to not let it get that bad. Like, do not let it go there. Yeah. When they start showing you who they actually are, you need to believe it. You do not need to make excuses. And, you know, okay, you want to make an excuse the first time? I would still not condone it, but I understand it. But if it happens even a second time, you got to go. 
It's just Mm -hmm. the longer you stay, the more you're giving them the opportunity to take the abuse further and further. You know what? They pushed you for the first time like Mason did. First time he ever did anything to Laura, he kneed her in the stomach. Yeah. And then it escalated from there. And every single time that they had an incident, the abuse got worse and worse. You know, he kneed her in the stomach. Then he gave her a black eye. Then he punched her to where her eye went blurry, you know, and so on. I mean. And like you said, it's like, we're going around letting these men who cannot control themselves, who have really serious, deep-rooted issues, and we're letting it affect our mental health. Like, don't let Mm -hmm. someone else affect your mental health, (laughs) you know? Don't accept trauma. Do not accept actual trauma that you're going to have to go through. If you're in a situation and you're like, this is painful, it's hurtful, it's um, embarrassing, you know, it's making you feel guilty or just bad about yourself in general, do not let someone make you feel that way. Yeah. Or did you feel like that before you were in this? Like, a relationship should not make you feel worse. (laughs) It should uplift you and make you feel positive. So. Yeah, just, I mean, God, I don't even know. Like, yeah, like you said, the first sign, it depends on obviously the scale of what happened, but you, you know, if he does anything, even if it's not towards you, any, any anger towards anyone or um, a thing or reacts so bad, you're just like, what the heck was that? Trust me, it will happen again and again and again and again. How do you think Laura has done telling her story and how, much more powerful does she sound now than she did in the beginning it's pretty incredible oh yeah it is it's really incredible yeah you can totally hear it in her voice um just the timidness at the beginning and then she really steps into her power and it's very very healing to open up Mm -hmm. your mouth and talk about um talk about this honestly even just that first like call up your girlfriend and just say hey this is what i'm going through i promise you you will have you'll feel so much better. You'll be, (laughs) you'll feel so weightless. Um, just talking about it. I mean, the more we suppress these feelings and emotions, um, your body will respond to that. I mean, your body knows everything. Trauma shows up in the body, affects your immune system, you know, not even that, just your confidence and your self-esteem and your self-worth. So like none of that is worth a relationship. I'm so proud of Laura for sharing her story and huge thank you to April and Felicia for being a part of this series. If you are currently going through a tough relationship, whether you consider it abusive or not, if you're having a hard time and you're feeling a little lost, I encourage you to lean on your family and friends. Always tell at least one person, if not more, what you're going through emotionally. And lastly, I want you to know that you are strong enough to stand on your own two feet when it's necessary. It doesn't have to be all the time. You don't have to be strong all the time. But when it comes down to having somebody treat you badly, you need to love yourself enough to know when it's time to let go of something that isn't meant for you. Kayla, would you like to add anything before we sign off? And just like for me and just like for Laura and just like for every woman out there, rebuilding herself leaving a toxic relationship, healing from a toxic relationship, it doesn't end here. Oh, come on, girl. You got to say it with more force than that. Uh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't end here. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't end here. <laughs> okay. Should I say it like you? Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> 
I swear I don't end say it that way. <laughs> it doesn't end here, bitches. Okay, guys, I think she's ready. Kayla, would you like to do the honors? It doesn't end here. Thank you so much for listening to It Doesn't End Here. Stay subscribed and we'll be back this spring with season three. If you or someone you know has a story that needs to be told, please email me at info at itdoesntendherepodcast.com. As always, I ask you guys to please share this podcast with two friends. By sharing this podcast, you might help someone who you didn't even know needed help. And I also promise that next season I'll have a new tagline. Bye-bye.